Are you ready to hear the word tonight, church? Yes. All right. I, as I was preparing for today and the Holy Spirit was ministering to me, um, I feel like we, I wanted to pray over tonight uh, just that our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be softened, our ears would be opened, and that the Holy Spirit would move powerfully in our sermon and in this service tonight. Because we don't need, we don't really need stimulant for the Holy Spirit to come in and work and move. Amen? Because He's capable of that on His own. So let's, let's press in right now and let's step into that space, in the mental space where He can minister to us. Lord, we thank You that, that we get to come and sit under Your Word tonight. That we get to come and learn and listen from You. Lord, I ask that your glory fall in this room tonight. That as your word goes forth and our hearts are open to receive, that we are filled from the top to the bottom. We are filled from the bottom to the top. That if there's anyone in here who's come in this room with shame tonight, with guilt, with regret, anyone who's coming in here just worn out, just tired, Lord, that there's a refreshment from your word tonight. That there's a, there's a reviving of us in, in, our, in our spirits and in our souls because we get to eat of your word tonight. Lord, I thank you, the Holy Spirit, that you come in and, and move us, convict us where we need convicting, encourage us where we need encouraging. Uh, I thank you for your, your authority. I thank you that you live on the inside of us us, that we were made right with the Father and you get to come and dwell on the inside of us. And we're not here on this earth helpless. We're not here on this earth alone, but we have the comforter. We have the helper. We have the paracletos on the inside of us and that we've been endued with power from on high. I th we thank you for your strength. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for the strength that lives inside of me, that goes beyond what I can do, and steps over into what only you can do. Amen? Are you ready to receive tonight? Praise God. Um, Susan had ministered on mental health uh, back in June, and I had, I had written a chunk just about where we're looking, where, where I'm looking, and where I'm setting my gaze. Uh, how many of you have ever stared at a donut and it just tempted you to just pick it up and eat it? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to read that at the end, what I wrote. Um, but it really sparked this in me. And the title of tonight's message is Eyes That Are Captivated. Remember, how many of you have ever been captivated by that, that donut? You know, you, you, you pull up to the table for Sunday lunch and that roast is just captive. Been, how many of you have looked at your spouse and you have been captivated by your spouse? Uh, hey, so, uh, come on, we've got to get a louder amen than that. <laughs> I know I have. But it's, it is easy in this time of year especially. Um, it's easy in, with where the state of our world is that we become distracted as believers. That our gaze becomes shifted from where it should be. Uh, whether it's a less than ideal family situation, whether it's the first holiday without a loved one, whether it's loneliness, whether it's hurt, whether we're exhausted, whether it's worry about the future, worry about what's to come. Um whether it's the next year coming up. And 
especially in this Christmas season, it can either be one of the best times of the year or it can be one of the most overwhelming times of the year. And I think it can go either way and all of that and most of that in us. You can't control other people, but most of that in us is dependent upon our perspective, upon our gaze, upon where our eyes are aimed. And this evening, I believe the Father wants us as a family, us as a house, to make sure that our eyes are in the right place. That we're looking in the right direction to rise above the waves, to walk out a life, life of peace in all situations, and to carry His love into everything we do. This is something that, that I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a pattern in a lot of the messages that have gone forth in these last uh, three months. Um, we have very much been centered around love as a church. How many, how many of you have picked up on that? And I don't want us to think that we're going to move on from that because as believers, you never move on from love. Faith works by... So love has to, as, as a wheel goes round, there has to be a hub. There has to be something that wheel's attached to to spin. Love is the hub that our faith spins on. And I don't, don't think that this message is, is a departure from that. It's just an extension of that. Uh, I, I'm going to touch on some things tonight. Hopefully that will tie back in. Uh, but it's time. The time to decide that we're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in every circumstance is not when the situation rises up or when the storm comes. You don't, you, do you wait to plant a garden until you're hungry? No. You, you, you plant it and you eat it the next year. Mm. We don't wait till we're hungry to plant a garden. Do we wait till the gas tank is empty to fill it up? No, we don't. <laughs> we don't wait till it's empty to fill it up, right? How often do we run ourselves empty and then expect to be filled up? How often do we find ourselves on the side of the road needing to be filled? We plant with an expectation of harvest. We fill up before we're out. Why? So we can keep going. We don't wait until the storm hits to start taking the word seriously. It's the daily bread for a reason. We don't wait until life is difficult to start living captivated by Christ. We continually live captivated by Him. Continually live led and driven by the Holy Spirit. Go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. That's where we're going to start off tonight. A very familiar passage. When you get there, say praise God. I'm going to keep you engaged. You can thank Brett for that. They don't... Say it loud if you want to. Yeah, like, there we go. <laughs> so, they fed the 5,000. Jesus sends the disciples across to the other side. Jesus goes up into the hill to pray. 
About 3 a.m., a storm hits. We're going to pick up in verse 28. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me, I'm in the New Living Translation, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? The Amplify reads verse 30 as this. I love the way the Amplified puts verse 30. But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me from death. Was Peter... This is, this is going to sound dumb, honestly. Was Peter sinking because of the waves? No. Was, was he sinking because the power of Christ ran out? Peter began to sink because he saw or perceived how strong the wind and the waves were. He, Peter lifted, moved his eyes off of the man who kept him up and began to take into consideration the turmoil around him rather than peace in front of him. In life, how often do we find ourselves perceiving how powerful and how strong the mountain is rather than how strong our Savior is? The one who, the, the one who said if we speak to the mountain and doubt not in our heart, it would be removed and cast into the sea. Jesus addressed Peter's faith after he pulled him up. So no, notice, as Peter was sinking, Jesus didn't go, why, why don't you have faith? No. He grabbed him. He rescued him. He broke shame. He broke shame. So maybe you're in a, a spot in life where you've let the chaos of life overwhelm you. Jesus puts his hand out whether you have faith or not. Jesus puts his hand out, breaks the shame, pulls you up, brings you up by him. And then as you are in his care and safety, he teaches you, he trains you, and learns you. But don't never root your hand up. Don't never cry out because you're afraid of being rebuked. Don't drown out of fear of being rebuked. I think oftentimes we think we're going to find people harsher than they really are. And when we perceive people as unmerciful, a lot of times that's because we lack the revelation of mercy on the inside of us. The man who was in debt begged to have his debt forgiven, went to the man who owed him pennies compared to what he owed. After his debt was forgiven, he said, pay me what you owe me, rather than I'm forgiven, you're forgiven. He was forgiven, but the revelation never went from him to him. So don't doubt the mercy of God in the people around you. Verse 31, instantly Jesus reached out his hand and caught and held him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
How many, we all believe our words are powerful. Our words will reveal to us where our gaze has been. When we talk, is it constantly negative? Do we speak about how big the problem is? Or how difficult that person is? Or how how bad our nation is? Or or how bad our financial situation is? Or how bad our health situation is? I'm not not talking about ignoring. We, We... I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to qualify this. I'm not talking, if your leg's broke, go to the hospital. That's not, I'm not, I'm not talking about ignoring situations. But our mouth, our words re- will reveal to us where we've been looking. If I consistently talk about the, the power and the size of the mountain or the size and the strength of the waves, I'm not looking to Jesus. I'm looking at the mountain. I'm looking at the waves. I'm captivated by the chaos, not by the peace. So I'm going to pivot here, and this is something, an opinion of mine, you're free to agree or disagree, but I believe that we're about to head into one of the most intense election years we've ever experienced. And this is something the Holy Spirit kind of put on me, and I think it's important to us as believers to decide now that we're not going to get wrapped up in the chaos of an election year. Because it can get crazy. And we can... Listen, our phones, they're really good hiding spots. Because a lot of times, we say things here that we would never say here. And the, if we get wrapped up in the chaos... Of the, wor- of the world's political system and we don't find ourselves rooted in the peace of God's kingdom, it hurts our witness. If I can't love somebody because I disagree with their politics, that's not on them not agreeing with me. That's on me not loving them. We, as the body of Christ, need to decide now that we will be unmoved by the emotion of the day, the waves and the storms of the season, and keep our eyes firmly fixed on Christ. The person who sits in the White House is not the Savior of this nation. Jesus is. Our goal is to lead people to Christ over arguing political points with people who don't want to change anyways. And 99.9999% of the arguments that happen on social media aren't for production. It's just so we can hear ourselves say what we want to hear. You can email Pastor Susan at Susan at RCC. <laughs> but it's true. I, it's true. We love to hear ourselves be right. I love to hear myself be right. Myself be right. <laughs> I'm not going to take myself out of this, but to what degree am I willing to be right until I'm walking out of love? Because there is a point to where you can be so right that you're now wrong. Because the moment you step out of love, I don't care if I agree with your points or not, if you, don't, if you aren't willing to love somebody, you're wrong. I love you. When we refuse 
to keep our eyes on Christ and become captivated by the chaos of the moment, it pulls us out of being a good ambassador for Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors here on this earth. We carry His name, His image in every space that we walk into, whether it's here at church, whether it's on the job, whether it's in your school, whether it's, wherever, whether it's at your home. Everything and anything we do is representing Christ to whoever we're doing it with. And we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We, we need to live a life that's led by the Holy Spirit, not by our natural senses or what, by what we see happening. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read a lot here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. When you get there, go ahead and shout praise God. I love it. All right. If you're not there, look off your neighbor. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated, dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 7, Romans chapter 8. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their, under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. So say this, I am, I am not, controlled not controlled by my sinful nature. By my sinful nature. Say, I am... Controlled, controlled by the, by the Spirit. So you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit, say, living, living in, in me. me. Verse 12, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of, of your sinful nature, you will live. Verse 14, 
for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus is not easy. And a lot of times we, we can sit in a service and hear pastors say things and like, oh, that's way easier said than done. No one ever said it would be easy. If it was easy, we could do it without the Spirit. But it's to the degree that we have to get to the point. I talked about this last time I spoke. It's pulling us and bringing us to a space where we become less and less reliant upon our own abilities and more and more dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit that what? Lives in me. So the power to keep your eyes fixed, the power to lock your eyes with Jesus, and the power to have your eyes captivated by Him is from the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. I never said it would be easy. It takes trust. It takes faith. The Passion Translation puts verse 14 like this, and I love the way the Passion puts it. I'm going to quote it from memory, so if I'm wrong, just look it up and know that I'm wrong, and I'm admitting it now. Uh, (laughs) But if I remember correctly, the Passion puts verse 14 of chapter 8 like this. It says, those who are maturing Christ are led by the impulses of the Spirit. And the Greek, whenever you look up how Spirit is defined, it's defined oftentimes as wind. And the, the way the Passion breaks this down is... Are we so close to Him that we feel His impulses? Or are we so far from Him that He has to yell to get our attention? So keeping our eyes fixed on Christ puts us, put, places us in a space to where we're not dependent upon God to shout us down. We're, we're just listening to His heartbeat, moving with His steps, moving with His pulses. So church, where are your eyes? Are we focused on everything wrong with our lives? Are we hyper-focused on how someone has hurt us? Are we magnifying the mountain rather than the one who is Lord over all? Your mouth will reveal the direction of your eyes. If you want to know where you're looking at, just listen to yourself talk. We might talk a lot less if we do that. I know I will. Again, I'm, we're not talking about ignoring things in life. When our eyes are fixed on Christ, we starve the wind and the waves of having power over us. Peter only began to sink when he gave his attention to the waves. I mean, imagine the amount of faith it took to step out of a boat, not on dry ground. How many of you have ever stepped out of a boat before? Kaplunk. And as he was walking, and then they were afraid. They were like, oh, it's a ghost. All these things. And as he's walking, he's just captivated by Jesus. Captivated by his eyes, captivated by by this man who is love, by this man who is peace. And it was a storm. This wasn't this wasn't Lake Darnell on a nice April day, seventy five degrees and no wind. This was a sea 
in a storm in the middle of the night. And how many of you have ever been up to North Newton County or the middle of nowhere at night? How dark is it? Okay, so this, it's dark. I mean, this, the moon and the stars are lighting it, but there's a storm, so they can't see the moon and the stars. He steps out of the boat, and he is walking on water. How, we've experienced miracle after miracle. We've encountered the glory of God. We've encou- Peter encountered. He stepped out of the boat. He encountered the glory of God. He experienced. He's walking on water. I would, I, I would have done the same thing. I'm walking on water. And begin to sing. He, you've encountered the presence. You've encountered the glory. You, you've, you know God's going to come through. You know he's, he's there for you. You know you're not alone. But yet we're moved and we're shifted by waves, by storms. Our eye, these waves are big. These waves are big. And Jesus is saying, look at me. Right here. Right here. Look at me. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. I didn't like how that election turned out. Look at me. I didn't like, I, did, I didn't get the healing I was, look at me. This situation in life, it hasn't panned out yet. Look at me. I'm still struggling with addiction. Look at me. I'm still fighting pride. I'm, 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 I'm still unsure about some things. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. The chaos doesn't matter. Look at me. Look at me. When Christ has our attention, we begin to align ourselves with what He has to say about us. I would love if I could will myself to become like Christ. To become like Christ, you have to die to yourself. You have, to, you have to die to yourself, lay down who you are, and go search for who you are in Jesus. And then as you begin to lock eyes with Him, our lives and, and what, who we are and, and what we have to say, all of a sudden we start hearing our words come into alignment, not with what we think we should say, but what He has to say. You don't have to conjure up some great idea about who you are. You want to know who you are? It's right here. The pressure's off to figure it out. When, when we become, when our attention is on Christ, we begin to align ourselves with what He has to say about us. So I'm going to read off some scriptures about who we are in Christ. I've told you in this world that you will have, I've told you all, I've, back up, John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many kinds of, Many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 1 verse 5. I'm going to go through these pretty quick. I'll, I'll try to write slow so you can write them down. John 1 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, Jesus says you to his disciples, to the followers. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So the light that's on the inside of you through the Holy Spirit living in me can never be extinguished. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Mm. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. When, when we begin to lock, this is not what it says, but when we, we begin to be captivated by, the, by Jesus, when, when we, our gaze begins to lock in on him, we start to become aligned with what his word says about us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? This is Romans 8.35. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming. Say overwhelming. Uh, That was a little underwhelming. So say this, overwhelming. Victory is ours through Christ who loved us. There we go. Hmm. When you lock eyes, you begin to come into alignment with who he says you are. Victorious. Overcomer. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a, won a victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That being, and listen, that's not what the scripture says, but if you read in the verse above, John's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. We don't have to fear the, the, an Antichrist spirit that's in this earth because greater is he who lives, up, lives in us than he who is in the world. So when you see, an, and I'm not talking about the Antichrist, I'm talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. So when you see the spirit of the Antichrist in Washington, D.C., greater is he who lives in you than he who sits in an office. Greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Verse 2 again, we do this by keeping our what? Eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Mm. Let us, Because we have come in into alignment with who he says, because our eyes are captivated. Run the race with endurance. Run the race God set before you. Don't lose sight of who's ahead of you. Don't lose sight of who is Lord over you. When we, become, when we begin to come into alignment with who Christ says we are, our words come into alignment, our thoughts come into alignment, our actions come into alignment, and our attitudes come into alignment. And I think this is really important. 
what is the attitude of our heart? What's the attitude of, of my heart as a Christian, as a believer? Just in everyday life. Do we get tripped up by simple inconveniences? The order was wrong when it came out. People can't drive on the roads. The line of McDonald's took too long. The pastor said things that made me uncomfortable. That's, all of that's cured not with them changing. All of that's cured with me changing. If I want to have a better if I tell the youth this all the time. It's not my job to make you have fun. Be fun. So if we were out there playing dodgeball on Sunday night, you have a choice. You stand there, like, this is no fun. <laughs> it happens. They're tough. They love it. They, they ask for dodgeball, right? Y'all ask for it. Where are they at? I can't find them. They done disappeared. My youth asked for dodgeball. They're like, dodgeball, Dylan, we want to play dodgeball. They, they have a choice. They can stand out there and be like, this game is boring. No one throws the ball. No. But then there's always the group of people who just like, I'm full speed ahead. Woo! And they're having a great time. In life, we can be sitting there of like, oh, this line is taking so long. Or we can, you know what? This is a chance for me to grow in patience. <laughs> Medicine goes down a little, with a lot of, with a, goes down better with a little bit of sugar, doesn't it? <laughs> When, some, when, when the restaurant is messing up our order and, and, the, and the food's taking too long. You know what? That, that's not an opportunity to call the manager. That's an opportunity to show grace and mercy to the wait staff and the kitchen staff. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about where, where, where are your eyes at? Is that, do we see life through how... How, how easy it is for us? Or do we see life through the lens of Jesus? When I look at my neighbor who I've been called to love, do I look at them through the lens of everything they're not? Or do I look at them through the, through the lens of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me? Am I letting God tell me who they are? Or am I letting someone else tell me who they are? That's tough because we got holidays coming up and we have to deal with family. And a lot of times we have preconceived ideas about how people are. We go into a situation and we're like, well, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. What if we stepped into this season and went, I'm going to love them no matter what they do. I'm going to walk in love towards my family no matter what they do, no matter how they act. I have nothing to give but grace and mercy. I have nothing to give but grace and mercy. Where are our eyes? In this season, it's easy to miss them. And I, I prayed this over the youth on Sunday night before we got started. I said, let us not miss you, Lord, tonight. We just got done playing dodgeball. We're sweaty. And we're about to step into worship. And, and it can be easy to get into a routine on Sunday morning. It can be easy to get into a routine. But even when we do this on Wednesday nights, even when we have service on Sunday mornings, and when we come in here and have youth on Sunday nights, Sunday nights, 
let us, let's not miss Jesus. Let, let's not be tripped up by something going wrong. Let, let, let us not be so distracted by life and by the waves. Let's become captivated by the Prince of Peace. Let us become captivated by the Lord, by the King of Kings, by, by the One who reigns above it all. Let, us, let our eyes be captivated by the One who loves us. By the one who gave his life for us. Oh, where are our eyes, church? Uh, Philippians chapter 4. Let's jump down to verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing fix your thoughts. So who fixes your thoughts? We do. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. We fix our thoughts. Sometimes that means our thoughts, sometimes our thoughts really need fixing. <laughs> and sometimes our thoughts need to be fixated. There's times when we need to correct how we're thinking, and there's other times when we just need to cast out the thought that the enemy's trying to put into our head and lock in to the word that lives and abides on the inside of us. That's it right there, guys. That's it. I wrote, I wrote this back in June. This is kind of what sparked this whole message. I'm going to read this and then we'll open it up. Um, Susan was talking about mental health. Uh, a lot of this is says, um, it's, I kind of wrote it personal, but I'm going to exchange we for me. Uh, so if you hear me say me, it, I mean we. Um, just roll with that. But here's what I wrote. Said, and I may have read it that night. I don't know if I did or not. Uh, sometimes I'll write things down, and I'm like, I'm going to share this, and the Holy Spirit's like, be quiet. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, sir. So his ability to sustain us in the midst of life's storm is stronger than the storm's ability to overtake us. When Peter walked on water, his only responsibility was to keep his eyes on Jesus. When the direction of Peter's gaze shifted from Christ to the waves, he began to sink. The supernatural power that kept him above the waves was not, a was not a matter of who was stronger. Storms are no match for Jesus. It's not about how strong is Christ. Absolutely, Jesus is strong enough to overcome. The supernatural power that kept him above the waves was not a matter of who was stronger. It's a matter of where we look. My mental health is strong. Because, my, because our mental health is strong because our eyes are locked to the king. The one who made a public display of darkness and who holds all power in heaven and on earth. Therefore, even if the pit of darkness is near, I know the light of the nations is by my side. Always with me, always with us, never forsaking us. And our ability to be strong in the storm is dependent upon where we look. 
So are we looking to Christ? Or are we captivated by the waves? He is strong enough. So church, what's captivating our eyes? What in life has your gaze? Is it Jesus or is it the waves? Amen? All right, well, that's all I got for tonight. So I don't know who has, you got the Roman mic, Brett? Just, someone's got the Roman mic. Ken's got the Roman mic tonight. So come on with it. Going once? A lot to chew on tonight, isn't it? <laughs> I hope that's the case. Going twice? All right, y'all stand up. Did you get something out of tonight? Did I miss anybody's hand? No? Okay. All right. All right. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you that our eyes are captivated by you, Jesus. That our, our gaze is locked into you. That, that we don't look to the right, we don't look to the left, but we stay focused on who you are. We stay focused on you, Jesus. When, it's, when, when there's waves around us, when, when we're in a less than ideal situation, when we're, in it, when we're in a less than ideal circumstance, we don't see it for what it is, but we see it for what you say it is. We see it through the lens of your word. We see it through, it through the lens of your truth. We see it from a place of victory, not from a place of defeat. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and gives us the strength to overcome in every situation, gives us the strength to stay focused on you, and gives us the strength to carry out and walk out the kingdom every day. Lord, I thank you that these people are blessed in everything that they do and that, that as we go into this Christmas season, that we don't miss you, Jesus. Oh, that we become captivated by who you are. By your eyes of fire and hair like wool, feet like brass. Oh, that, 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 that we set you in your rightful place. Not that you ever moved, but that our perspective of you go, grows better and better every single day as we become morphed and transformed into your image, Jesus. Show us who you are. As we lock eyes with you, show us who you are, Jesus. I thank you that we are filled with love for every person that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.